0: you. Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. I'm Katrina Thomas, your host, and today I chat with Corey Law. Corey is a life and business strategist, speaker, host, and influencer. She's also a third-generation entrepreneur uh, who... Um, who is working today with um, with people who want to profit from their talents. Corey shares her strategies through her show, coaching, speaking engagements, uh, as well as online courses and social media platforms. She's also been uh, featured in uh, TED Talks, uh, The Mighty, Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Hello Giggles and The Ever Girl and Inside, Inside and Business Insider. So, Let's welcome Corey and listen to her story now. Okay, welcome to Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. Today, I have a pleasure to have a very special guest in the studio, uh, uh, Corey Law, <laughs> and who is a strategist, high performance, uh, high performance coach, uh, an author, and a speaker as well. So, welcome to the show, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, great. I've uh, introduced you very briefly, but uh, can you uh, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a um, little bit about who is Cory Long? Sure, you got it.
1: So I am a business strategist, like you said, a coach, professional speaker. And my specialty is I help people become entrepreneurs. Uh, so I work exclusively with folks in business a year or less. Uh, And I help folks go from creating their uh, business concept. You know, I I have an idea. I'm working a day job. I don't know how to turn it into a business. I help them go from there to uh, to generating their first client within six weeks. And then from there, being able to scale and lead their day job in six months.
0: Yeah. And how long you've been doing this for? Uh, This part of my business has been over two years at this point. But I've
1: been in business development for over 15.
0: Yeah because mm-hmm. i i have listened to I've, I've been spying on you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've i've listened to some of your um uh, videos and, and 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 your ted talk as well but we'll talk about this uh, <laughs> shortly and uh you um uh you've been running other businesses right before you became a coach uh what what made you uh you know s- s- um you know what made you become a, a personal coach and a strategist
1: Sure, you got it. So I'm going to give you the really brief bio. I call it the Reader's Digest version of my story. So I actually went to art school. I went to fine art school. So I graduated with a really expensive piece of paper that said I could draw really well. And so when I got out of school, I ended up waiting tables. I couldn't really find a job because, uh, you know, folks don't really hire painters. And my, it, this really upset my father. My father is a second generation entrepreneur. So he's like, you know what, why don't you come and work for us as a graphic designer? You know, it'll just help you, you know, get some income and you still get to make art and do this and that. So I'm like, okay, fine. So ultimately, what ended up happening was 15 years later, I blinked and I was
0: senior vice president of my family's company, the third generation to be running it. So when you started your uh, coaching business, uh, you had a little boy, right? You had a little son. I did. That's
1: the reason I started it. So I, I was a single mom. Uh, yeah. My son was only five months old uh,
0: oh when
1: I left his father and it the stress of running a you know large company, in addition to never getting to see my child, I had this realization, which I shared in my TED Talk too. Uh, one day I was adding up the number of hours that I was paying somebody else to watch my son just while I commuted. And it was 20 hours a week. I was like, wow, I'm paying somebody a part-time salary while I sit in a car just to go to work. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. never made a change. And ultimately, when I did decide to make the change, it was because I I lost someone I loved to suicide. And it kind of made me think like, wow, my time is so valuable. I shouldn't be spending it, (laughs) sitting in a car for 20 hours a week, working, you know, 60, blah, blah, there's got to be a better way. So then from there, I decided, okay, well, I've learned how to develop businesses for 15 years. So let me do my own. So coaching was very specific for me, because I knew I wanted uh, freedom and flexibility in terms of you know, what hours I worked, I only wanted to work online, I wanted to be able to travel and be location independent. So that's why I specifically chose that model.
0: Yeah. But you see, on, on your website, you, uh, you help people uh, to profit from their passion. And I'm, I'm just quoting your, your, mm-hmm. um, uh, your website, so they can achieve freedom and balance as entrepreneurs. And you've mentioned, you know, looking after the little one. Can women really achieve balance if they, if they have to look after the little ones and they have to look after the family? How is it possible? How do they go about achieving that balance? Can you? Oh, it's, definitely <laughs> it's definitely
1: possible. It's definitely possible. I did it as a single mom for a really long time. I only very recently became not single. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's really a matter of priorities. You have to be very, very clear on what your priorities are. So for me, even when I was working, you know, when I was working and commuting, a grand total, I think it was like 70 hours a week as a executive. Um, Even with that said, my days were very rigidly scheduled that I knew what my priorities were to take care of for that day. So for example, when I got home from work, I pretty much only ever had two hours a day with my son. And that was it because he was always sleeping before I left in the morning to, to go to work. And then he would be up for an hour or two before I had to put him to bed when I got home. So that time it was no cell phone, no TV, no nothing. It was just me and him, you know, playing with rattles and whatever it was because he was a baby at the time. But um, same thing for me with family dinner time was always very important because that was a way that I could leverage that time with him. Mm-hmm. And I made the most of what time I had available. Um, you know, and again, it's your priorities. I still also made time to work out when I could uh, which meant I had to wake up earlier to do it before my son got up and before I had to commute and everything else. In terms of eating better for myself, still having to do it all on my own, I used to meal prep. I would make all of my meals on a Sunday when I was home from work, during my son's nap. And then that made sure that I was, both of us were eating you know, healthfully throughout the course of the week without me having to rely on takeout or anything like that. And I was doing all of this on my own. You know, just me and my son, granted, I had help through, you know, uh, au pairs and my parents and whoever were there to help babysit him when I was working. But when I wasn't working, it was just me and him. So it's definitely a possibility. It's just a matter of determining what your priorities are, knowing you can't do everything all at once, and then just making sure that you cover all those priorities at some point throughout the course of the week. It might not mean that you get every single one every day. But as long as you're able to kind of balance it out throughout the course of the seven days, you'll still feel fulfilled.
0: Yeah. So now yeah. you're on your own business. How, how your life has changed as a result of, you know, being your own boss? Oh, my God, so much. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, this is a lot to what my, my clients usually aspire to. And, it's you know, I have complete autonomy on my schedule, you know, when mm-hmm. I decide to work. When the pandemic hit, it wasn't a big deal for me having my son home all the time. You know, because it was just, okay, well, I took calls when, you know, he was napping or I, you know, planned my work day around when I was spending time with him. And I had the freedom to do that, where if you're working for somebody else, that's not something you can easily do. Um, also, in terms of my creativity and um, being able to develop products and find ways to help and serve people that's not something that easily comes in a position that they basically determine it for you. Like this is what mm-hmm. you're hired to do and this is what you're helping with. So being able to, you know, understand, well, I have more to be able to offer people and this is how I can help them. And this is who I should help having control over that is huge. You know, never mm-hmm. that the financial aspects of it too. I mean, granted, let's not sugarcoat it. Starting a business is not easy. You know, it's, um, when I started, and again, I was a single mom, I quit my, Six figure job as an executive. And ultimately, what I did was I decided to leverage, I had uh, six months of emergency savings, something that they tell most people to do, you know, always have savings. I called it an emergency of my soul. Mm-hmm. Not that I had lost my job, but I was like, if I keep doing this, I'm going to die inside. I need to <laughs> leverage this emergency money. And I used that ultimately to support me and my son while I built my business. Um, so, I mean, the money doesn't come right away, but as I've built it and I have more flexibility and I know who I'm serving and I've been able to build an audience, that money is coming right now. And it's so freeing knowing that when I need it, it comes to me, I have flexibility. If I need more of it, I can create a new program or I can do another offer or I could pick up a speaking gig. And that's not something that you can necessarily have if you're set in a box career. Right. You have your like annual review and you may or may not get a raise, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot more, a lot more control for
0: sure. Yeah. How old is your son now? He's five. Okay. And,
1: um To add to it too. So I'm actually pregnant with my second right now. I'm due in May and I have two stepsons now, which is kind of awesome. So it's, it's kind of crazy to be over the course of five years to go from, you know, a single mom of one to literally within the last year, a mom of four, it's just, my brain's exploding just thinking about it now. It's been a crazy year. <laughs>
0: Yeah i mean it's it oh, gosh i i i say you're like a wonder woman but uh, you know i watched <laughs> your your ted talk and uh, you know you've mentioned um, you know what's happened what what actually made you pivot but you also talked in your ted talk and by the way li- listeners if you haven't checked this out please check out Chorus, uh ted talk don't give up change your strategy and um in your ted talk you talked about the logical way and the pivotal life moment and mm-hmm. you, you spoke about your pivotal life moment when you you know your close one uh, committed suicide does it have to be this way does it do you have to have some kind of a tragedy in your life to realize that your life is needs changing you know it's it's shit excuse my kitchen and, and you, <laughs> you, you you need to make that pivot right. It's against uh, many people, they're just like sleepwalking, they, they, they're miserable because they're in a corporate job which they don't like or they don't love, and they're just almost like dead inside. And do you, do you have to wait for that moment when you, you know have this um, epiphany or, or can you still logically arrive at the conclusion that you need to change your life? Definitely not, and that's actually one of the cases that I make in the
1: TED Talk. Right. So, you know, thinking of pivotal life moments for me, it was that suicide loss That was huge. And maybe rethink, you know, like the, the more, the life, the way I thought my life was that morning was drastically different than the way my life was after, you know, I, I discovered what uh, my loved one had done. Yeah. And life is full of moments like this. We all go through, you know, job loss or divorce, or, you know, I've gone through in five years, I had a miscarriage an abusive marriage, a divorce, Uh, And then the suicide loss, it was a crazy wild ride over five years, but that's what life is. And through each and every one of these losses, we learn things and we transform our lives. So the case that I'm making in the TED talk is pivotal life moments are just one of the ways that we get inspired or forced to make change. The pandemic is a great example of this, right? Nothing could have controlled it. Our life is very different after it as it was before. It's never going to be the same. And we are all forced to change. But the truth is, if you're unhappy, you don't have to wait for, I think I say in the TED Talk too, we can't wait for pivotal life moments to happen in time for New Year's resolutions. Most times people you know, are inspired to make changes around New Year's. But it's really those moments that get us to, to make drastic changes in our behavior. And yeah. what I found over the years is if you track, uh, I call them the five C's. Uh, they're called the overwhelm culprits. And they're, they're five sources of overwhelm and frustration in your life, career, or business. Um, so they range from not having clarity, you know, on what it is in your life or business, what you want, um, you know, so on and so forth. There's your confidence. You know, if you don't have confidence that what you want is possible, nothing's ever going to make it happen for you until you build up that confidence, right? So that's a gap there. Uh, your community is another source of overwhelm. You could want something, but if your support circle doesn't support you, doesn't know how to do what it is you want to do, doesn't understand why you want it, you're not going to get there. Uh, conditioning, which for me, that means your, your um, yeah. personal health and wellness, you know, mental health and fitness. So if you're not making time to take care of your body and your mind, it's not going to take care of you. So that's something that's ultimately going to hold you back and cause overwhelm and lastly consistency so many people just don't have the consistency needed to achieve their goals so so important to build systems into your life that when you use them it makes it much much easier to pivot before a pivotal life moment right it's the people that have structured you know goal setting i have daily weekly monthly quarterly goals whatever that might look like for the individual But they have to have some kind of a plan to check in for themselves to have the consistency needed to move forward with them. Because if you don't, you're not going to get there. And ultimately, the only thing that's going to change you is that pivotal life moment. But if you follow any of those five areas, and the thing that's really cool about it too is I use it with all of my clients. It works for life improvement, career improvement, or business, Mm -hmm. right? So any one of those five, if there's a misalignment in them, when you address it, you know, so for example, let's say confidence is the big one. And you want to, as I'm just throwing out there as an example, you really want a life partner, right? But you're confident, you're just not confident when you go to a bar to meet somebody, right? It just terrifies you to walk up to that person and say, hi, until you get over that, you're not going to find that life partner. So it's up to you to then address it. So within the five C's, figuring out specifically what I need to work on, then from there, it kickstarts you and it helps you kind of rebuild those habits. To then start moving forward on the action without waiting for a pivotal life moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I loved your analogy of uh, of a frog sitting in the boiling water. And unfortunately, you know, (laughs) a lot of people are like frogs, and they just kind of, you know, and especially you know, in COVID, I mean, uh, we've had so many people furloughed, and they're just kind of waiting for the the normal to come back, and, and the, the thing is, it, this might be the new normal, and uh yeah, you have to act, and you know, you, you've you mentioned in, on your TED Talk several times about the action, taking that action, and building that confidence, because unless you do something, you can't reprogram your brain to be more confident if you don't try to be more confident, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. smile, and then you'll feel much better, you know, as, uh, as a result, yeah, much happier. Right,
1: No, exactly. And I mean, um, one of the the most tweeted lines I have in my TED talk or when I speak, because I give the the TED talk, you know, as a a keynote, uh, is if you want to have an extraordinary life, it requires extraordinary action. And it's so true, because what people want in life, you know, they they look at other people and they compare, you know, what they have to, um, you know, what they personally have. And really, the only difference is the other person was willing to go over and above what you're willing to do to get it. (laughs) So it's yeah. really all in that act, that inspired action and that consistency. That's really the only thing that's standing between you and whatever it is you want in life.
0: Yeah. You're also uh, talking about overcoming fears. And um, what was uh, your most fearful moment since you have started your coaching business?
1: I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I've started so many businesses from even when I was a kid, I was never really afraid of the business side. I mean, if there was anything that was that I was afraid of at each and every life transition I had and like I said there was a lot within 5 years, I was more afraid at those moments. But again, the fear is based off of not knowing what's happening next. Right? There's so much comfort in the routines that we have built into our lives that when you have that kind of a forced change, it's terrifying. So for me, when I left my marriage, with my five month old son, literally my five month old son and a suitcase. And I showed up on my parents' doorstep. (laughs) I was like, what do I do now? Like I had no one to watch my kid. I knew I had to work. Um, I had no money. You know, I lost everything in the divorce. Um, So it's like, where do you go from here? And that is, that I find truly more terrifying than anything having to do with business. Cause at least I know with business, you still have control. You're gonna fail. along the way. Failure is not something I'm afraid of. I kind of joke that I'm a professional failure. (laughs) But when you think about it, all successful entrepreneurs are. Um, So that's something you just have to become comfortable with. And you don't become comfortable with it until you have that
0: repeated action. Yeah, I I was really (laughs) hoping that you would say going on (laughs) and presenting on a TED talk. (laughs) I'm just looking at your, um, you know, YouTube video, and it's, TED Talk has like twenty seven point seven million subscribers. <laughs> You've been watched by twenty seven million. How does the, how did you make you feel being on that red carpet? Oh
1: um, my! You know the whole experience with the TED Talk is surreal because you know this is gonna sound like so. I don't know how it's gonna sound, but um, I never ever ever expected in my life to become a speaker. It's one of those things that it kind of chose me. And initially it started, uh, one of my mentors that I employed when I first started my business, which by the way, if you're starting a business, I definitely recommend if you don't have business experience, you always hire a mentor, a coach, a consultant, whatever that might look like. And that was something I knew right off the bat, because even though I had so many years and experience, I didn't know the coaching industry, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very different business model. So I wanted to make sure that I was working with somebody that already knew how to do it so I could do it the right way the first time and not, spend a lot of time, you know, testing and failing. Right. So one of my first mentors, you know, I told me at one point, she's like, well, you should apply for a Ted talk. Your story's insane. Like Your story's crazy. You have a lot to say. And it was one of those things that I was like, that I think you're insane. No, I've never been on a stage before. I've never spoken. Like why would the, you know, Ted talk, which is like the, you know, grand stage for speakers, like why would they ever even consider me? Yeah. and it was one of those things over the course of a year then I started getting uh requests what I would do networking and stuff people would ask oh do you do professional speaking you have a great energy you got this you got that your story is really interesting so yeah. people started requesting it and then the universe started giving me signs in terms of like books that would suddenly cross my path on the speaking business or online courses on it so I'm like all right I'll bite I'll get into it so I want to say it was the fall yeah it's been about a year it's the fall of uh, 2019, that I officially went in to learn to become a speaker, you know, learn mm-hmm. how to craft a keynote learned, um, you know, started doing free public speaking gigs to practice started working on my website, all of that. And by January, I got the TED Talk. <laughs> and it was never anything I expected. But again, it's that inspired action when I decided and I finally had the confidence, yeah, I can do this. All these other people are telling me the universe is telling me it's up to me to see the signs because uh, a lot of times people see our um, our um, potentials before mm-hmm. we can see it ourselves. So it's so important to be you know on the lookout and really trusting your community in a way uh, to be guiding you in the right direction. So it wasn't until I felt confident that I could do it that the momentum moved fast. Right. So it's my story's not normal. Most people do not land a TED talk as quickly as they did. But a lot of it is because of how focused and strategic I was when I did decide to go all in that I checked all those boxes. And like I said, too, I didn't go in blind. I employed a mentor again who was a a professional speaker who had courses and stuff like that. I read about it. I educated myself. That's how you make gains fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, well, well done to you. I mean, uh, it's. it's, uh, I'm also considering maybe after I've published my book. But uh, yeah, it's. I I guess I'm not quite sure with COVID though. I mean, are they gonna do virtual TED talks or what? They are.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of virtual TED talks. Even as a even as a professional speaker, majority of the engagements I've done have been virtual. Yeah,
0: yeah. But (laughs) I mean, it's it's it's. But I can give it to you. I mean, you. It just you know you've been so authentic and, and vulnerable, uh, I'd say, because, you know, sharing your story. But at the same time, this is why it's so inspiring because, again, this is your personal journey you went through and this is what uh, brought you to the path you are currently on. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, thank you for sharing this to, with, with millions of people out there. But, um, you know, uh, talking about your... Um, your method, your strategy method of uh, five C's: clarity, confidence, community uh, conditioning, and consist consistency. Uh, all of those elements should be aligning, right? Uh, right. When they're in alignment, you're going to find that you take action. Right you Are not afraid are there to factors for? that are more important than others or do, st- uh, do starting entrepreneurs have to focus on all of those factors, all of those elements to make themselves more successful?
1: Sure. So for a new entrepreneur, what, it, it varies depending on what the person's goal is, right? So talking about new entrepreneurs. New entrepreneur's goal is I want to start a business. I need to make money, right? So really what I focus on with them is all about clarity and your confidence. Right now, the important thing to realize is the confidence is not going to come without the clarity. If you are not clear, you are not going to be able to confidently demand what you're worth yeah. <laughs> in a pricing conversation, right? Because you're not going to be clear on who you're serving, what the market going rate is, um, you know, what perceived problems are in the market and what you're solving. And uh, that's usually the first thing that I work on with a new entrepreneur. But It really, like I said, it depends on the individual and what their goal is. For somebody who's looking for high performance, as an example, let's just talk about an executive, um, you know, who's looking to improve their performance for them. It may be, you know, if they've got a personality like I do, you know, when I was an executive, I didn't stop. So for me, conditioning was a big one. I was not taking care of my health and fitness. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't working out as much as I could have because my hours were spent in a car every day and commuting. Right. I had limited hours. So that's the one that you really have to address. So for everybody, it's going to be different. But specifically to answer your question, for new entrepreneurs, it's all stems from clarity.
0: Yeah, but what do you think uh, uh, is the biggest mistake that uh, many starting entrepreneurs make? Uh, not
1: picking one problem to solve.
0: <laughs> for sure. Okay. So so many
1: people I work with, and I do strategy sessions all the time uh, with new entrepreneurs. You know, to, to kind of validate their idea and. Understand if there's a market for it. Um, usually, the conversation I get is well, you know, I think I could do this, but I want to also create a blog with it and maybe do a podcast and then monetize it through an e-comm. And there's like so many different verticals with the business. No, instead, yeah. pick one thing. And usually, you know, I'm a little biased towards this because my experience is more in the service-related industries. So though I have worked in e-commerce and retail and distribution and stuff like that. But if you're a new entrepreneur and you're looking to make money fast, you're going to make money in a service business because you're going to have no overhead. There's nothing to buy. It's just you, you know, you and a conversation and a promise to deliver a result and you make money. (laughs) So you don't need a website. You don't need a social media account. You don't need any of that. Um, You know, if you're building a service business, uh, depending on what strategy you use to do it, which is what I usually, you know, work on with my clients. But uh, with that said, yeah, definitely the number one problem is. People don't focus on one specific problem for one specific audience.
0: Yeah. I mean, that leads me to another question. And uh, (laughs) like I said, I've done a little bit of digging on on you. (laughs) And uh, um, yeah, you've been running your own podcast, uh, but uh, you stopped at episode 48. I did. Yes. (laughs) Are you planning on on continuing or You you've changed, the priorities have changed uh, or are you planning to to have a season two?
1: (laughs) I would definitely like to continue. So here's what ultimately happened with my podcast. So when I had first started my business, I was more in the life coaching realm and it was through evolution of seeing, you know, the types of um, clients that I was attracting. I was getting a lot of people who were interested in my entrepreneurial background that wanted to do the same thing. So eventually at some point, I think it was probably around this time last year, I made a pretty hard pivot into business. And some of that did carry on a little bit into my podcast, but my podcast at that time was much more focused on um, personal stories of resilience, uh, which many of them were entrepreneurs, but it was kind of like this weird in-between place as to where my business is now. So in terms of why the podcast kind of dropped off, and again, it's priorities, right? So I am one person, I choose to be a one person operation, (laughs) right? That was one of the reasons I left corporate. I didn't want to be responsible for 80 people (laughs) anymore. I just wanted to be responsible for myself. So with that said, when I was producing, you know, because I have the YouTube show as well as the podcast, they both went hand in hand. Um, It's a lot to produce a YouTube show, especially the way that I was producing it because I have a video background. So I have like very, very kind of like perfectionist taste with it. And it was taking me way more time. It was time that I would be better served speaking to people and helping them build their business as opposed to creating marketing materials. So earlier this year, I decided to start experimenting more with live streaming. And that worked really, really well for me. And that's, I'll probably start repurposing more of my live streams and kind of turn that into the podcast Mm
0: -hmm. at some
1: point in time. I just haven't really had a need for it. Because truth is, the podcast isn't really necessarily generating my clients right now. My social media feeds and my live streams are. Yeah. So you yeah. always want to go with, when it comes to marketing, and this is just like a great like new entrepreneur tip, you only want to focus on the tactics that are literally giving you sales conversations.
0: It doesn't matter
1: how many likes, comments, and shares you have. What matters is how many people contact you and say, I want to buy what you have
0: yeah yeah that that, that's true it's 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 the ultimate test of uh, of your business model yeah how many people Mm -hmm. actually pay for your services as opposed to Mm -hmm. how many likes you have it's better to have a small tribe but you know enthusiasts and people dedicated to you know buying Mm -hmm. from you (laughs) whatever you do but uh no i mean uh it's um uh, that 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 that's oh hang on my my um my headphone just fell out of my ear, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess w- w- the next question I want to ask, and and again, this relates to one of your CS and and again, because this is because the topic of the po- this of this podcast is you know mental wealth. A uh, mental health, mental well-being, and one of your sees is to do with conditioning the mental health. My next question is: Have you ever struggled with some mental health problems or or, or, or conditions, and how did you overcome? What's what's your strategy for for well-being? Of course.
1: Uh, so this is actually something I've spoken on in at length, um, and yes, I have struggled with mental health. For me, it's, it's situational. Right. So it's very important to mention that for For me, it's never been any kind of like chemical thing. There are some folks that they struggle with, you know, hereditary mental illness, um, you know, situations. For me, it was never like that. It was a direct result of my suicide loss that really threw me for a sure, loop. Huh? Suicide is a very complicated loss because you're angry at the person who died because they did it to themselves. No one really quite understands it unless they've experienced a the suicide loss. And as a result of that, it's very isolating because it's not something that people talk about. And then the more that people who haven't experienced that try to console you, there's even more of a disconnect, right? Because they really don't get <laughs> what it's like. So it was a very dark time for me um, immediately following the loss. Uh, and I'm very candid about it. I mean, it was uh, it was difficult for me to take care of my son. He was about three at that time. I relied a lot on my family and friends to kind of step in, help with him. I slept a lot. Um, I really thank goodness, you know, I've always been a very big proponent of therapy, and I was undergoing therapy. And I talk about this in the TED Talk. I was undergoing it before he, I lost him. Uh, so luckily, I had that support system in play to work through the situational depression. But it was really, um, you know, it's an effort. So, and again, it's, you know, I I think that's the important thing too. And I always talk a lot about action, but it's one thing having the self-awareness, like, yes, I'm depressed. Yes, that's okay. You have to take things one day at a time. And what can I do to make today better? Right? So for me, I, I, and it's so kind of funny, I found Reiki uh, kind of by accident. It was one of those things the universe just kind of (laughs) served it up to me. I became certified of it. As a result, I didn't know why I was becoming certified, but ultimately, I found that kind of energy healing to be very, very effective in helping with my grief uh, in particular, but journaling. I was an avid journaler uh, through that whole time because uh, I think what happens when it comes especially to both anxiety and depression, that uh, you know different kind of feelings related to both the past and the future that don't get verbalized, so you hold on to it as energy. And the process of journaling helps you get it out, <laughs> which journaling was something that always terrified me because for for me, before I learned how to journal, I always thought of it as, well, if I write it down, that means it really happened. And that's something I have to revisit. And that's something that's yeah. scary, especially if you've undergone trauma, you know, and, and I had undergone trauma, you know, through an abusive relationship. So that's not something that that was very scary. So you asked me before about fears. That in particular for me was very scary, being able to, to come face to face with it. But what I learned through the process is until you get it out, you can't, come face, you can't truly come face to face with it. And once it's out, you have the choice to release it. So yeah. learning those processes, again, taking things day by day. Uh, the thing that helped me the most, and I've spoken about this a lot, is um, gratitude practice. So I remember vividly, uh, you know, in the weeks following uh, the suicide loss that I would wake up in the morning and I would just walk, cry immediately. You know, I was just like, this is terrible. My life is terrible. And I would struggle each morning to find three things I was grateful for. And what I learned was it doesn't have to be anything mind blowing. I mean, so many, many people, they think they have to be grateful and it needs to be like rainbows and unicorns and sunshine. Mm -hmm. And that is the way it feels authentically at that time. So it feels really wrong. So instead it would be stupid things like, I'm glad I did laundry yesterday and I don't have to do it today. I'm glad I found my son's missing shoe, (laughs) you know, that had been lost forever. So really like stupid, minimal things that I was truly grateful for. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And then finally, you know, being grateful for the sunshine and for your family and stuff like that, it becomes much easier to see it again. But it's a practice and you have to take action on it. And it's something that you have to, to do every day and just take things day by day.
0: Yeah. So what what do you do today um, to keep yourself in check, you know, mentally? How do you relax? What do you do for fun?
1: Sure. That's a great question. So I love one of my core problems. And this is definitely uh, something that affects my mental health is I'm a workaholic. I love to work, especially now that I'm owning my own business. I'm helping people. I feel very fulfilled. If I give it any downtime at all, my intuition is to open up the laptop and create and make something that could help people, which is good, but at the same time, it's bad because I really need that downtime. So for me, knowing that this is a challenge, I have a few different strategies that I put in the play to help with it. The first one is my partner is aware of my challenge and he forces me every day at a certain time, are you off the laptop? You're off the laptop, you're with us, come on. Uh, Same thing, I hired a coach to keep me on point. Like you are you know, overproducing and blah, blah, blah. You need to take some time off. Uh, another thing that I do is I work a minimized work schedule on purpose. <laughs> so I uh, work some, during the summer, I'll do four days a week and I take Fridays off and I go to the beach when my son's at school, which is amazing. Uh, now during the school year, I instead just, uh, I work from nine to like two and then I take my son off at school and then I'm done right? So I work an abbreviated workday instead, but that again, just helps me keep that workaholism in check. And it makes me more productive because I get more done in that short time frame. But then when I do have that time off, you know, that I'm so busy spending all this time trying to protect. Uh, I love hiking. I love being outside. I love going to the beach is my happy place. That's where I go when I'm by myself. Uh, I love salsa dancing, you know, doing anything to stay active and probably, um, The number one thing I love to do is read. I'm an avid reader. I love personal development.
0: I read probably two to three books a month. And that's how I spend my time. No, I mean, thank you so much. And just um, (laughs) uh, to wrap up our conversation, I could talk to you for for hours, I think. uh, Maybe some other time with a glass of wine. uh, Got it. (laughs) Just the last sort of uh, question. Uh, if you were to teach one lesson to starting entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs, what what would it be? Your, your final sort of advice for starting entrepreneurs.
1: Um, my final advice, and this is something I actually teach in a workshop called Monetize Me. Uh, information is on my website for it. But I am a big proponent of determining why you want to run a business. So again, that clarity Element is so, so important. You have to know why you want to start your business, how that's going to change your life, um, what change you want to impact in the world, what problem you want to solve, and who needs that problem solved, right? If you don't have all those items working for you, you're never going to have a business that takes off on a truly scalable, you know, uh, level. So really knowing why you want your business is so important. And just to be transparent, when I choose to work with people, You know, if someone comes to me and they're like, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want passive income and I want to sit on the beach, that's a no-go for me. Like, I I don't want to work with you. I specifically work with value and service-driven entrepreneurs. So for folks who are like, I know I am meant to like help people with this specific problem because I overcame it and I can help them. Those are the types of people I want to work with. But if you're not clear on your why, you don't know, (laughs) right? So that would probably be my, my very top tip.
0: No, well, thank you so much, Corey, for coming to the show. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks. Thank you. And this concludes this episode of Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Katrina Thomas, and um, you've had an amazing guest in the studio, Corey Low. So please check out all the links in the podcast notes. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. uh, So you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all from me. Um I wish I wish you good mental health and you are just one mind hug away. Till next time.